You're listening to 2, 5, and 10, your source for bullshit-free NHL news, analysis, and insights. Now, here are your hosts, Kevin Naughton and Ben Stewart. What up, everybody, and welcome to episode 49 of 2, 5, and 10. Good morning, Benjamin. I don't know if you really want to hear my voice this early or this chipper in the morning, but a very good morning to you out in San Francisco. Uh, have you waken up? Are your eyes open? Breakfast, coffee? It'll give everybody the heads up. What's going on? I just finished breakfast. We're recording. It's 8.45 a.m. My time is Labor Day, so i got nothing else going on the rest of the day. But I am up. I am ready. It's the Metropolitan Preview. Let's do this. All right. Um, speaking of the Metropolitan, I think this is one of those divisions where we spoke about it last week with the Atlantic, where some of these teams got significantly better, and there can definitely be some shakeup in where people are going to fall in the standings. you feel the same way? Yeah. My general feeling is outside of probably Washington and Pittsburgh, you don't know how the rest of the six teams are going to line up in the standings at the end of this year. So you can have a team like New Jersey finish last. Could they finish third? Sure, why not? Could they finish dead last again? Sure, why not? And I feel like that's kind of the storyline for this division. I like it. Well, I know you just started with Jersey. Well, I guess we'll keep the uh, what we've been doing from the bottom up. You want to give us all of our Devils details? Oh, yeah. Uh, my second least favorite team in the division, the New Jersey Devils, finished last year 31-41-10 for 72 points and a minus 53 goal differential. They finished with the first overall pick uh, in this past summer's draft. In addition to that, they spent, they added over $10 million in salary cap obligations for this coming season by bringing in P.K. Subban, Wayne Simmons, and John Hayden. They let go of Kenny Agostino, John Quinneville, and Steven Santini. What are your thoughts on their offseason? I thought they had a phenomenal offseason. I think Ray Shero just kind of went to work. Like If we're grading an offseason, it's hard to put just because they got the number one pick as like something he did, because you know it's a lottery pick, it's kind of a crapshoot. Yeah. But getting that number one pick and getting a player like Jack Hughes, the, hey, th- that can turn your franchise around. So phenomenal start just with that. And then you go further down where all the rumors that Taylor Hall leaving at the end of this year, the, this year is the year for him. And I mean, he brought in a whole bunch of other talent to kind of, I don't know if it's to keep him around, keep him happy, but when you look up and down this lineup, now you have Jack Hughes, now you have Taylor Hall, Kyle Palmieri, Jesper Bratt, Nico Heesher, Travis Zajac. They bring in the wild card and Nikita Gusev. You have the other guys who are going to play great roles there. You have Miles Wood, just a big moose there. You have Blake Coleman. Mm-hmm. I like Blake Coleman. I do too. Like, And not to mention, they have to get it done, and they have plenty of cap space. It's not going to hold them up, but they have uh, Pavel Zaka restricted. Once as they get that whole thing, like I really like their top nine. Like, And I'm not even complimenting the Wayne Simmons free agent thing like I don't even think that's that big of a significance here like I think all those other guys are going to contribute um I think they're going to give people hell in this division to be completely honest and we go further down the lineup you look at the back end they get the acquisition of PK Subban now there solidifies their D because now it's PK Subban you have the veteran Andy Green Sammy Vatnin, Damon Severson Will Butcher Connor Carrick Mirko Mueller like 
I like their D. Do I think they're the best in the league? No, but I, I think they have a very solid D core. What I want to see in the rumors I hear out of New Jersey is that we finally have a healthy Corey Schneider. And if Corey Schneider can come in and be the Corey Schneider he was in Vancouver, this team, like you said, could go up to third in this division. Like, I, I could see them as a playoff team. So I'm very intrigued as to how the season's going to play out. Like I said, hats off to Ray Shero. I think he did a phenomenal bang-up job. Yeah, just to kind of piggyback off your points, the two areas of concern for me is their right side depth chart where they did a hell of a job. You know, like you said, Jack Hughes kind of slides in this area. Quasi to see the uh, beginning of the year. Zajac moves down to 3C, which is where he belongs at this point in his career. The left side, you have Taylor Hall, Gusev, Coleman, Wood. That's pretty damn solid. On the right side, Kyle Palmieri, who had a career year last year. I don't think that's a true talent level. Could he turn into a guy like Matt Molson, who he's playing with a guy like Terrell Hall or Nico Heischer, and that's just going to be his production? Sure. Wayne Simmons, I think, is like a fourth liner at this point. He's probably getting second line minutes to start the year. So for the Devils, I think they did a hell of a job up front adding talent. I just think if you're looking at the Devils and they're in playoff contention come deadline time, they're going to be probably ending up looking for help on the right side. The other point is, like you said, in goal. And Mackenzie Blackwood had a solid year last year as a rookie goaltender. I'm not. I know they drafted him pretty high. I think it was the second or third round. I'm not quite sure he's a number one goaltender in this league. So if Corey Schneider is healthy, and even if he just plays like his first year in New Jersey, he's been there since 2013, which is incredible because he's almost he's there longer than he was in Vancouver. Um, even if he plays average what he did in New Jersey, they still, I feel like, are guaranteed a playoff spot. But like you said, their summer, I don't think they could have done any better outside of adding maybe another right winger. Subban, you know my thoughts on him, but at this point, just for this upcoming year, I think they're going to get solid top pair production out of him. He helps slot everybody else down one more slot in in their uh, role, which helps their depth. I think they had a fantastic offseason. I agree. And then two guys I want people to look out throughout the year. He's not in the NHL yet. I think he will be coming out of training camp. Their defenseman, Ty Smith. Yeah, I think he's going to make it out of camp. He's going to make it out of camp. And then another one that I have is John Hayden. He he was phenomenal all the years that he played, like really solid two-way guy. I think he's going to be a great player for them. Yeah, that's the thing. If they have a couple guys step up, like they have Jesper, uh, Jesper Brad, who is a young player on the right side for up front, you never know. So maybe it's just I'm going to their offseason grading it as they didn't bring enough enough bring in enough proven talent on the right side and by the end of the year it's not gonna matter. But I don't know, if you're looking at a team that's trying to turn it around and trying to convince a guy like Terrell Hall that he should stay long term, maybe having Simmons as your third or fourth liner to start the year would have been a little bit better just for depth reasons, but we'll say. I mean, maybe that's just a, a reassurance for him for protection purposes. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, uh, I think we're both very, very high on Ty Smith. 
19-year-old defenseman, lefty shot, more of a small-bodied, offensive-minded defenseman, 5'11", I think a buck 80. Last year in the WHL, 69 points, very nice, in uh, 57 games. So it just kind of highlights the type of player that should hopefully be cracking their top six at the beginning of the year and adding to even yeah, add him to Sammy Vontanen and P.K. Subban. That's a pretty solid three-punch for offensive defensemen. Very nice. High five. <laughs> um, but moving on to the eventual Stanley Cup champions. Uh, last year was a, their first true rebuilding uh, year in a long time. New York Rangers finished 32, 36, and 14 for 78 points and a minus 45 goal differential. This past offseason was pretty damn quiet. All they did was bring in Artemi Panarin, Jacob Truba, and Adam Fox and draft Kapokaku, second overall. Uh, they lost Jimmy Vesey. They traded him to Buffalo, and they traded Neil Pionk to Winnipeg as part of the Truba trade. They added over $16 million in salary cap obligations for this year. Be nice to my boys. No, I, I was going off. I was actually happy that them and Jersey finished next to each other so I could start off with, you know, has the rivalry been renewed? Like the two lottery picks, one and two, going right yeah, across that, the yeah. bridge to each other. <laughs> like, you know, p- perfect segue for me. But, yeah, we'll, we'll start with the lottery. Capo Caco, that kid is a fucking player. Like we, we all saw him last year, World Junior, and what he did, and then the World Championships. Like the kid is a man. He is going to slide right into a top six role. There's no question. I don't think there's going to be a learning curve with him. When you go on to the moves, like you said, Artemi Panarin, the biggest free agent in the market. Thanks for coming. I like this lineup. I, I think altogether it works. And then the other side of it is looking at it. You guys have a couple of UFAs coming up. Mm-hmm. So if shit isn't working at the deadline, I know we talk about that a lot. You could unload some of these guys and already start to build for the year after, and you already have the base lined up. Like, you still have Zabanajad, Kreider UFA at the end of the year. There's been so many rumors about him. Maybe you guys sign him to an extension. I mean, I love Chris Kreider personally. You still have Nemestikov. You still have Buchnevich, Ryan Strom. Like, I like the lineup. And then you have the younger guys who are going, and they have experience. Lias Anderson, Philip Cheadle, like, I like it. You go to the back end. The only thing that scares me is, are they proven? Obviously, you have Jacob Truva, Mark Stahl. I mean, not what he was, but still very solid defensively. Brady Shea, phenomenal player. Brendan Smith, I know how you're the number one guy in his fan club. (laughs) And then you you bring in Adam Fox, and I just want to see if Fox and D'Angelo are going to take off this year. Like, Because I think like... This is them. Like Adam Fox has been one of the biggest prospects in the league for years. And he ended up where he wanted to go. He didn't want to be in Calgary. Didn't want to be in Carolina. Gets traded from Carolina to New York. Like for you guys, I think it works out perfect. One other question that I have is Hank isn't getting any younger. For what he does, he's out of his mind. Phenomenal. Like the way he played last year and all the rubber he saw at 37 pretty fucking good so the only thing i have is you have him under contract for this year and next year you have georgiev down there do you think there's going to be more of a split this year to kind of keep hank fresh because i mean if you guys like we said i think this division's wide open outside of pittsburgh and washington so when it gets there i mean 
you guys going to split up Henrik and Georgiev a little bit to kind of rest them? Or what, what do you think? What are your thoughts on all that? Uh, when it comes to the Lundqvist question, he's, last year was the worst year of his career in terms of his usual standard. And uh, his goals against average was over three, which you can't really judge when you're on a rebuilding team. And like you said, he faced 40-plus shots, I think, 13 times last year alone and before last year he faced 40 shots or more in a game nine times in his entire career um but he still finished with a 907 save percentage so we're in kind of uncharted territory for goaltenders he's going to be turning 38 at, uh next march he uh, you obviously have guys like eddie belfour and brodor who played until the late 30s and 40s and they were still at least number one goaltenders maybe not franchise guys at that point so this is a big year for Hank. Is this was last year the beginning of his steep decline? Was it just because of the team in front of him? Is he going to have one or two more solid years in him before hanging the skates up? In terms of the time split, I think to start the year, it's they're going to ride Hank just to see what they have because not only do they have uh, Georgiev behind them, but they have Igor Shosheskin, who's finally came over from Russia. He's the number one. Goaltending prospect in the system. He's probably the second best goaltending prospect in the entire sport at this point. Uh, he's probably going to start the year in the A. So you want to know what you have in your veteran goaltender before you start making decisions about are we going to start playing Georgiev more? Are we going to call up Igor from AHL? Uh, so I think to start October and probably heading into the Thanksgiving break, you're going to probably going to see Lundqvist get five out of every six or seven starts. Um, but I definitely think they're going to try and limit him to 50, 55 games total unless his play just keeps va- rapidly declining and then they're going to have to lessen it even more. Um, if he has a standard Lundqvist year, I think next year, his final year, is when he's going to have a true probably like 40-40 split and that's either going to be with Georgiev or Shuseskin, uh just because... Even if they bring back Hank on a shorter-term deal, they're going to want to hand over the range to one of the young goaltenders. I like it. Um, In terms of the rest of the roster, they got Panarin. They haven't had a true, legit franchise forward since, what, Yager in the mid early 2000s. I know Rick Nash is brought in to be that guy, and he had that one 40-goal season, but he really wasn't that all-around franchise guy. So I think they finally have that in Panarin, and he's in, still in his 20s. Kreider, I hope they're able to keep long-term. Uh, Zibanejad, he's probably going to be named captain at some point uh, this offseason or this upcoming year. Uh, you have Capocacco. For me, I think the biggest point of contention is the depth. Up front, I think that they're able to play like up and down a lineup. You have Panarin and Sabanajad who are penciled in on a top line, obviously. Kreider is going to get top six minutes. On the right side, you have Buchnevich and Kako uh, basically competing in camp for the right wing spot on lines one and two. But outside of that, you have Vladimir Mesnikov, Brendan Lemieux, Philip Heedle, uh Brett Howden, Ryan Schoen, Leah Sanderson, Boone Yeves, Jesper Fast. And even a prospect like Kraftsoff, who are coming into camp, and a bottom six and a second line center spot are all up for grabs. And I think those are a solid collection of talent 
uh, to bat- be battling for those spots. So you have a guy like Lemieux who can play on a third or fourth line. Nemesnikov can play left wing, right wing, and center, and he can even be a penalty killer, or he can be more of a two-way uh, playmaker if he's playing up the middle. Uh, Strom came over and scored like 13 or 14 goals after the trade from Edmonton. Jesper Fast is your strong fourth-line penalty killer. And then you have the guy like, a guy like Kraftsoff, who is a young right-wing prospect, who if he makes a team that slides Strom over, there's just a lot of different lineup possibilities. And I think as a rebuilding team who is hoping to kind of turn the corner this year, that's a pretty good setup to have in terms of if one prospect isn't ready, you have a bottom six veteran that can fill that spot. And if he is ready, that bottom six veteran can slide over and fill another hole uh, without basically handcuffing yourself to a veteran to start the year. And one other thing too, I guess we just have to touch on it because he's our boy. You just got the best defensive AHL coach in all of hockey. So he's going to turn Ryan Lindgren into a stud for you guys. So congrats to coach Cunny becoming the assistant coach down in Hartford. I think that changes your D up with all the uh, all the experience and knowledge that he brings. I think it's definitely going to help your prospects coming up for, for the future. Yeah, and that's pretty much where the strength of our system is at this point. You have Ryan Lindgren, Anna Fox, uh, Lee Warhajic, Joey Keane, uh, Brendan Crowley, Keandre Miller, Niles uh, Lundquist, Nico Gross. Our whole system is basically built around defensemen that haven't even made it over into the AHL and NHL yet. And even with that said, you look at our current top six, there's not many spots for those kids. I mean, you have Truben Shea penciled in on a top pair. Stahl, this is probably his last year with the team. Uh, Tony D'Angelo, if you're looking for a young offensive defenseman who, in terms of fantasy hockey, uh, looking for a sleeper, he had a fantastic second half of the year last year at the Rangers. Finally kind of clicked with him in uh, Quinney. He's penciled in for top four minutes playing alongside uh, one of Ryan Lindgren or Lee Hajek. If one of those two kids step up, you know, Brendan Smith's going to start the year in A just because of his salary cap uh, and his contract status. The Rangers are pretty stacked when it comes to young defense prospects. And, yeah, having a guy, new coaching staff, in Hartford, and then a guy, an assistant coach like uh, Cunny coming in is only going to help them get prepared for an NHL because you see the work he did out in Worcester even before and after we were gone in terms of getting those guys ready. So uh, I think a big ad for the coaching staff in Hartford, and it's only going to help the strength of, of our system. My man. Should we go to your favorite boys in the division, the Flyers? Uh, yeah, the Flyers... 37, 37, and 8 for 82 points and minus 37 goal differential this past season. Uh, another active team in the Metropolitan. They brought in Kevin Hayes, Matt Niskanen, Tyler Pitlick, Justin Braun, and Nate Prosser. They traded away Radko Gudis. Uh, they traded for the rights of Cam Talbot, didn't end up making a deal with him. Uh, Andy McDonald's gone, and Yohi Laterra's gone. I think, wasn't he involved in some coke ring or something? Um... They added $2.7 million in cap obligations for this coming season. What are your thoughts? What's that phrase they say? All new everything. Like everything there is kind of <laughs> brand new. Um, all brand new coaching staff coming in. I, I yep. really like Elaine Vigneault going there. I, I think there's a lot of pieces in place for him. 
but at the same time, a lot of those pieces didn't live up to their expectations last year. So I think that's a little worrisome if you're a Flyers fan. But the names that are there should be performing. Claude Giroux, Jacob Voracek, Kevin Hayes, James Van Riemsdyk, Sean Couturier, Scott Lawton, Michael Raffle. Like, I think a lot of it depends, too, on the development of Nolan Patrick. I do like their defense. Um, it's very young. Shane Gostas Bear. You end up having Ivan Provorov, Samuel Morin, Justin Braun. I like Matt Niskanen. Not that much, but I like him. Um, <laughs> and then you round it out with Travis San- Sanheim, Robert Haig. I-, I think that they're a well-rounded team. When you go a little deeper and you look at it, Carter Hart reminds me of Jordan Bennington. Like, had a great mm-hmm. year, but can he do it for a full NHL season? I'm not too sure. But if that same Carter Hart shows up, I mean, and plays a full year, he should be able to take them to the playoffs the way he played last year. So I think they're a very interesting team. And under a coach like Vigneault and the system that he runs, I think he's going to let them kind of be a lot more up and down as opposed to how structured Hackstall was. So I'm expecting some breakout years from guys like JVR sucked last year. I'm, I'm hoping he can have a good year. Sean Couturier. And we have to touch on it too. Kevin Hayes only signed there because he told them flat out that they were going to have to overpay him, and they did. On his end, A, I mean, talk about pumping your tires, but B, like, <laughs> but like the team obviously wants you there if they were willing to go above and beyond the means, but now you have to produce, too. Like, you can't just say you want to be overpaid to stay there and then not do shit. Yeah, so, that's not the city... One of the cities in NHL you want to be doing that in. Exactly. So I'm just interested to see how it plays out. I like Wayne Simmons. I I thought towards the end he was kind of dead weight there a little bit. I mean, fit the team and the mold to a T, but I just figured, I I just think that the team was too fast for him and it was hard for him to keep up. Yeah. So I think now the team's a lot younger, can definitely skate a lot more. I even forgot to mention my boy Travis Connectedy. So I think the pieces are there. I, I think offensively they should be able to get it done and defensively they're a lot better to kind of shut people out in a sense so this team should be better they shouldn't be third worst in in this division this year but everybody else also got better too so it's it's hard to predict yeah i mean philly's the team that i've been going back and forth the most on in a metropolitan just because i love their forward group Say what you want about a guy like Kevin Hayes. Is he worth the money he got? He's kind of a tweener between a 2 and a 3C, but he vastly improved his defensive game uh, the last couple of years in New York, where now he can be used as a shutdown guy if you need to. He can be used as a more offensive-minded center if, need to, if needed. So he's a more well-rounded player after his last few years in New York. He's, he knows AV's system. He's going to fit in very well. You have your top three centers of Couturier, Hayes, and Patrick, and you can't really get much stronger than that down the middle uh, in this division outside of probably Pittsburgh. Um, You have Giroux and Van Rienseik. I think Oscar Lindblom is going to have a huge breakout year on the left side in Philadelphia and AV system. You have Voracek, Konechny on the right side. So I think their offensive group is set up to be one of the best in the Houston Conference this year. 
the back end, this is where I'm going to disagree with you. I think they have a very good, probable top-pairing defenseman, Ivan Provorov. I like the potential of Sammy Marin. I think Gashabear is a one-trick pony. I think Sandheim is kind of a tweener-type guy. Niskanen and Braun, two veterans they brought in on the right for the right side. I like Braun, even though he's kind of aloof in his time with Worcester, trying to get an interview out of him. I think at this point in his career, he's more of a third-pair guy, and I think Niskanen's more of the same, but one of them is going to be forced into top four minutes. So it's not going to tank their season or anything. It's just I think they're banking on both guys to have bounce-back years, and at their age at this point in their careers, I don't know if that's as realistic as just expecting average to maybe slightly below average third pair production. Um, but outside of that, you know, they have Nate Prosser as their seventh D. I really like their addition of uh, Chris Bigras. I, I think is how his last name is said. He spent the last two years in the Rangers system. Never really got a chance, but he's a two-way, 24, 25-year-old uh, defenseman. He was drafted in the second round by Colorado back in the day. So I think, if anything, he may get a shot finally in Philadelphia to prove that he's an NHL top six defenseman. Um, so I think that when you're comparing their forward group to the defense group, I think def- their defense group is kind of their weak link just because of how good their offense is. And then in goal, man, you're hoping Carter Hart is your number one. And I know he had a promising rookie year last year. He had a I think a 9.17 save percentage as a 21-year-old defenseman or a 20-year-old goaltender. And if he's not your guy or you have to do more of a 50-50 split, Brian Elliott's your backup, man. And I know he's been able to carve out a nice career in this league, but, man, he's I'd be concerned about having playoff aspirations and having Brian Elliott getting 50, 40 to 50 starts this year. Oh, yeah. If you have to ride Brian Elliott, it doesn't look good. I, I got to be <laughs> honest there. I have but, a question for you about their D and like in response. But do you think their D is better this year than it was last year? Like, I, I think it's improved bringing in just Braun and Niskanen, considering you had Andy McDonald back there. Like, oh, uh, yeah. I think, the, yeah. I think that's, yeah. I think I was kind of going off on a different point. They, in terms of their offseason, they definitely, I think, just addition by subtraction. Uh, I th- I know people are pumping up Washington's acquisition of Radko Gudis, but as a guy who's seen him play for the last few years He's against the Rangers, like, I don't know what everybody's talking about. I think that's more of a cap situation for Washington than anything else. So, and losing McDonald and adding, take your pick, Braun and Niskanen replaces him, it's an improvement. I just don't think when it comes to the upcoming season that their defense is as, I guess, well-rounded enough to be considered playoff caliber, if, that's, if that makes sense. Like, they could make the playoffs and content, or contend for a wild-card spot. I just don't know if you, they make it in if their defense is built for a deep playoff run. All right, fair enough. Do you want to uh, go over and talk about your favorite coach in the NHL down in Columbus? Oh, yeah. John Tortorella, I. Uh, Fantastic year in Columbus last year, 47-31-4 for 98 points. Now, when we're reviewing teams in the Metro, we're getting to the heavy hitters. Uh, finished with a plus-26 goal differential. This past offseason, 
was not very kind to the boys in Columbus. No. Uh, they lost Sergei Bobrovsky, Artemi Panarin, Matthew Shane, Ryan Tzengel, Keith Kincaid, and Adam McQuaid, who is still technically unsigned. And they brought in Gustav Nyquist. Uh, they l- subtracted almost $20 million in salary cap obligations, so hooray for the team owner. Um, but outside of that, what do you got, man? It sucks because they have decent guys on their lineup, but the losses that they suffered between Panarin, Duchesne, Dezingle, like it does not make them stronger. Like you look, we'll start right in that where Bobrovsky left. Giannis Corpusal and what is it, Elvis Mazerkalins? Like are you <laughs> like are you shitting me? Like like that that's not good enough. You go in front of them. I mean. They have possibly two of the best defensemen in the league in Seth Jones and Zach Wierenski, but still currently still unsigned. still unsigned. That's another huge thing. You look around them, I mean, David Savard in the playoffs last year tried being a player that he wasn't, this big physical, like he grew a beard and he thought he was physical, like, dude, you're not good enough. We stomped all over you. Um, Ryan Murray. Ryan Murray. I like Ryan Murray. I think he's decent. I just think when you look around the after him, like, it's kind of scarce. Scott Harrington, Dean Kukin, Marcus Nudavara, like not really too big on them outside of Wierenski and Jones. And then you look up at the top of the lineup, like Cam Atkinson, love Cam Atkinson. I love Brandon Dubinsky. Like I like Gustav Nyquist, but not as much as they did for the money they gave him in the term. Like still kind of unproven at times. Like he's just kind of disappears. Nick Foligno, their heart and soul kind of guy. Alexander Wenberg, I, I think he's actually a pretty good player. I just think he needs things around him. I like Boone Jenner. I think he's a really hard player. I think he needs an, a faster feet, though. I think he's just a just a step behind on plays. Riley Nash, I mean, I liked him here in Boston, but if that's one of your top six guys, like, your lineup's not that good. Like, not that good. Um <laughs> I like Pierre-Luc Dubois. I think he could blossom into something good in this league. But that's kind of it, man. And and they don't yeah. really have anything coming up the system because they traded away a lot of shit to bring those guys in last year. Like, th- this is going to be tough. And I know you have to be a glass-half-full kind of guy. It doesn't look good. And no one signed there either. Like, I think... Nyquist was the only guy who got offered a contract and took it because they still have $15 million in cap room. Like I know they need to sign Borensky, but I don't know, man, that's, that's not a good looking scenario. Yeah. I mean, you look at the roster right now after the summer that they had. And for me, it's like you see remnants of the team they were. And I mean that in a sense that, they're not as good as they were, but you still see the pieces that help them be good, if that makes sense. Like you said, Pierre-Luc Dubois there, uh, Brooksan's still there, Atkinson and, and Anderson are there, they brought in Nyquist. Like you can see how their offensive group was good last year because there's still some pieces there. And I think it's the same on the back end. You have Seth Jones, Wierenski, Ryan Murray, and Savard. So you can see how their, t- their defense was good last year, but you know it's not as good as it was last year. So I think at this point you're banking on two things. Actually, three things. You need your veterans that have produced 
to stay healthy. Because if one of the, if Atkinson goes down, they're screwed. If DeBrow goes down, they're screwed. If Jones or Renski goes down, they're screwed. So the first thing is you need those guys to stay healthy. The second thing is you need these young guys to grow up real freaking quick. Like on the back end, you need Vladislav Gavrikov, however you say his last name. He got in a couple games in the playoffs. I think that was on purpose by Torts this past spring just to throw him into the fire, get his feet wet. Because I think they're probably hoping he's going to play some big-time minutes for him this year. Uh, you need him to step up, 23 years old. You need up front guys like Josh Anderson and Alexander Texier to really step up. Uh, you hope, you're still hoping to get more at Winberg and Brooks in. But really, you need... I know we laughed at his name because I, I'm still learning how to pronounce it. I'm waiting for a preseason game just to hear an announcer say it. But you need a guy like Elvis Merzlikens. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, to yeah I, I step got a up. big Merzlikens in my pants. <laughs> <laughs> Merzlikens. I, I don't know how to go. I'll I'll look it up. So my apologies uh, if you're a Blue Jackets fan or if you're Elvis listening to this. Um, but you need him to step up because you can kind of maybe fill in some holes up front or in the back end with. Uh, plug-and-play guys, but you can't do that in goal. And you're not going to be getting much out of Jonas Cuepasalo. So if you get anything out of one of your young goaltenders, that will help the Blue Jackets. But you can't really bank on that. And the third thing is towards his system. He's been a coach. You guys know the system. The new guys that come in, whether it's Nyquist or the young guys, they know this is what's expected of me. You're basically banking on his system to keep the team afloat in terms of being a playoff contender because the division's out of out of the question. A wild card spot is a long shot, but I've seen bigger surprises, especially when you have a guy like Torts and his system and you still have a couple of talented guys in this roster. You're just going to need a lot of things to go right for you. I agree. Oh, did, did you hear that siren? I, I think it's a hurricane warning. Should we head to Carolina? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, We'll move over to Carolina and hurricane warning. They've got the big one hitting the Carolinas actually this weekend, this week. Yes. Be safe. Uh, Everybody down in Florida, that hurricane does not look like a joke. So be safe, take cover, take shelter. Uh, but yes, yeah, so the Carolina hurricanes finished a surprising 46, 29, seven for 99 points and a plus 22 goal differential, which I know I did. I think both of us predicted a surprise year out of hurricanes. So congrats to us. Um, this summer, kind of quiet in terms of things that they did for big time moves. They just had a lot of depth. They brought in Eric Halla, Ryan Zingle, James Reimer, Brian Gibbons, and Gustav Forsling. Uh, Michael Furlan's gone. Curtis McElhaney's gone. They traded Calvin DeHaan and Adam Fox, and Greg McKay left as a free agent to New York. They added only about $3 million in salary cap obligations. How do you feel about? this upcoming storm surge in terms of the Carolina hurricanes after the surprise year they had. That's where I'm still pretty torn. Like only a couple of people left. Only a couple of people came in. So for the most part, still the same team. I I know we said last year, they're going to surprise some people, but make it to the Eastern conference finals. I I think that (laughs) surprised everybody. I just want to see if this same team performs to the same standards like everybody wants to play for Rob Brindamore Rob Brindamore was a player he knows what the guys want 
the guys are going to play for him. That's not a question. Was it all the rumors of last year of the new ownership and everything else that really got the guys fired up as the sense of people showing up to games? Like, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was the post-game celebration. Whatever they had going last year was working. Are they able to bring it over again? Like, that that's what I don't know. That's like, th- these guys remind me of the Montreal Canadiens of the Atlantic Division. Like, I, there's just a big question mark because I don't know what to expect from them. Like, I think they could be another playoff team and go on a run and really surprise people again. Or I just think that it's just not going to work. So I don't know which way to go. Looking at the lineup, Sebastian Ajo got the offer sheet from Montreal, signed it within 12 minutes. Carolina matched it. Jordan Stahl went there, had a great year. Tevu Teravine, and I love Tevu Teravine, even though I can't <laughs> say his name. Nino Niederreiter, Ryan Dezingle, Eric Halla, Brock McGinn, Jordan Martinuk, your boy, Andre Shveshnikov. Like, I do. I, I like their lineup. Warren Fogel, like... These guys had great years last year, great playoffs. Then you go to the DN. I mean, Jacob Slavin had a welcoming party last year in the playoffs. Like, he was phenomenal. And then you look around, and they still have Justin Falk, Brett Pesci, Dougie Hamilton, Travis, like, Trevor Vance Reamers, like, like. And then if Hayden Flurry could ever blossom into a fucking NHL defenseman, they have him, too. Like, I think they're in really good standings here, and I think they're in it for a couple of years now. Like, I think the team and everyone is there. I just don't know how I feel about the goaltending situation yeah. more than anything. Like, last year, the Peter Morazic merry-go-round in the playoffs. Ugh. James Reimer comes over from Florida. He's another one of those guys, man, that, like, he can do it during the regular season. And, and not, like, completely lights out, but he can do it. He can get by. He can get you there. And he and, and he like tickles your balls a little bit, like because you know, like you, you think well, maybe this a is the year we get more out of him. Yeah, like you know, it's like oh, you'll be in the playoffs, and he has like two really good games. Like oh yeah, here we go, and then it's like back to the James Reimer of old. Like I I don't know, man. Like th- like I said, this just reminds me of the Montreal Canadiens, where I just don't know what you're gonna get out of them. I think Carolina is a team where we're talking about in this division, any team can finish third or last i think out of all those teams carolina has the high the best floor and what i mean by that is i can't see them bottoming out i can see the other teams completely bottoming out because something went wrong or their talent just wasn't ready to turn the corner and they finished last or second to last i think carolina may not they could not make the playoffs but they're not going to miss it by much so like i think they have a smaller window of failure for the second year just because i think up and down a lot of they're just solid and they're not asking very much of these guys to be able to replicate playoff contention like you're not asking too much out of aho from what he did last year because he already proved that he can do that and that's his true talent level Shrechnikov is only going to get better. Niederreiter had a great year. He may not be a true 40-point in 30-game guy, but you're just asking for top six production out of him. Teravainen, he's already proven it. Dezingle, even though he had a disastrous run with Columbus, has kind of proven he can be a third-line power play type guy. Um, on the back end, their back end is proven. 
you know, outside of maybe a guy like Jake Bean and Trevor Van Riemsdyk, they're they're set. The only question mark where you don't know what you're going to be getting is in goal because Morazic had a nice year last year, but that might have been his career year. And you don't know what you're going to be getting out of Reimer. And then you have a couple of younger guys like Fortsburg, and I'm not even going to try and pronounce this other guy's name, Alex Nedeljovic. But you don't know what you're going to get out of those guys. So I feel like outside of their golden situation, they kind of have a nice baseline for what they're going to be this year. And I think that's contending for a wild card spot. Um, I don't know if they're going to be able to get much better than that this year because of their goaltending. But yeah, that's kind of where I am with them. I mean, they had a pretty quiet summer outside of adding to the margins, which I don't think hurts this team. So wild card or bust, not a three spot, just wild card one or two. I mean, they could finish third and, uh, yeah, actually. Come on, Benny, yeah, give they, it to I us. Think, give us the prediction. I think they're looking at three or four spot. I don't think, I say three, four, or five in this division. I don't think they go any lower than a fifth or any higher than third. All right. Well, should we go see uh, our boy Sid in Pittsburgh? Yeah, so the Penguins, you know, they say it was a disappointing year last year. I guess because of the playoff uh, results, but they finished the regular season 44-16-12 for a quiet 100 points and a plus 32 goal differential. Uh, This summer, they saw them say goodbye to the hot dog eater Phil Kessel. Uh, Matt Cullen finally retired. I think he's 79 years old. Ali Mata was traded to uh, Chicago. They brought in Dominic Cahoon, Brandon Tanev on that ugly deal, and they brought back Alex Galchenyuk in the Kessel trade. They also subtracted about $4.5 million from the salary cap, which is one of their goals from this, this summer. What are your thoughts on the Penguins? I really like whatever mixture could be their top six. Evgeny Malkin, Sidney Crosby, Jake Gensel, Patrick Hornquist, I think Galchenyuk's going to have a year there playing with one of those guys. Nick Bugstad. And then after that, I just kind of feel a little iffy. I, I like Jared McCann. Uh, Brian Rust, he's a contributor, but one of those guys that's either hot or extremely cold. Like, I, I don't think there's any in between. We already talked about the Tannevdale. I don't like him as much as they did. Like, that's, to me, that's a little crazy. I don't think he's that good of a player. I do like Zach Ashton Reese. Those other guys just kind of fill in, like you said, Cahoon, uh, Dominic Simon, where I think they're going to have a lot of trouble is their back end. Um, Mm. You got Chris Letang. You got Justin Schultz. I like Brian Dumoulin. You see Eric Goodbranson there, but then they drop off big time. Like a 32-year-old Jack Johnson, Zach Trotman. I do like trad redwell or however the hell you pronounce it. i think he's okay to be your sixth guy or seven but like outside of that four and i mean we could even say that good branson's not even a good top four i just like him for the size and the feistiness like he's going to give you everything you need on that end so even if you just look at the top three like Latang, schultz and dumoulin like some people won't even put dumoulin in a top four so i just think that outside of schultz and Latang, it could be tough I know I'm I'm big on Dumoulin. That's just me personally. I know not everybody is. So interesting to see how that's going to pan out for them. I think they're going to have to be extremely top-heavy. 
you look again in, again yeah i know F- funny to say that again um you look in that i mean matt murray not the best year last year consistent but but not the best year and then you had casey DeSmith behind them who yet again he was one of those guys in that carousel that goaltending carousel that they had last year carousel carousel i don't even fucking know whatever it is (laughs) but i remember at one point like they had the injuries and everything else like they were searching for people and then now casey dismiss that guy that's penciled in as the backup i don't know but i still think their offense is good enough like you said to be in the top three here like it's just as long as you have malkin and crosby you're gonna be there yeah and that's really the only and by only, you know, they only have Crosby and Malkin. Um, the only thing keeping me from feeling like that they're going to, that they would bottom out this year. Because if they if they didn't have both of those guys, I would feel more comfortable picking other teams as almost a guarantee to finish above them. I just have learned and learned and learned over and over again. Can't bet against them. You can't. Don't bet against Sid. Don't bet against Malkin. Don't bet against Latang. And, you know, I know it's Murray now, but as long as you get solid goaltending, if they're healthy. If one of those, if those guys go down, which they've been shown and proven to do throughout their careers, this team is screwed. Because, yeah, Jake Ensel had a good year last year. He's nothing, or he's not as good without Crosby. Galchenyuk, he's banking on playing with a rejuvenated Malkin, who apparently was just so drained playing with and dealing with Kessel that he felt like that brought down his production last year. I like Jared McCann. I think on any other team, he would be in their top six. He's playing in their third line. I like Nick Bustatis, their 3C. Their right, their right side is hot garbage. Hornquist is done. And he had a fantastic career. He took a beating. It's kind of like... Uh, Oh, Horny's a player, man. Like, he'll go to those dirty areas. Some guy won't. He will. Well, I can't believe I'm blanking on a stricken guy's name. We grew up with him. What was the guy in the Red Wings that would just... Oh, the Holmstrom. Mule. Yeah, Holmstrom. Yeah. So, yeah, Tanev is your probably your second-line right winger. You don't know what you really have in Kahuni. can have a solid year. He's a young guy. So I think they're pretty top-heavy in terms of... They're three centers and then two or three left wingers. On the back end, I'm a fan of Dumoulin. I think just because of his draft position and his college production, everybody expected more out of him. But I think he's a very solid three, number three, number four defenseman. I think Marcus Pedersen is going to have a pretty big year. Uh, he might even get top pair minutes playing with Latang. Uh, Justin Schultz is. I keep waiting for clock to strike midnight on this dude. He was just a power play specialist, if that, and then he goes to Pittsburgh and he turns into a, a top four guy. But he needs to be paired with a guy like Dumoulin to cover up his defensive shortcomings. So I think that's a solid start to a top four. Jack Johnson, like, feel bad for the dude, but he's not a top six caliber defenseman at this point. Same thing for Gabranson. Like you said, you have a couple young guys like – the guy that got back in a deal, which apparently was a huge return for him from Arizona, was Pierre Olivier Joseph. So who knows? Maybe he makes a jump and pushes one of those guys into the press box. I think the defense has the potential to be better than we expect, but it also has the potential where they're playing Gabranson and Johnson 15, 18 minutes a night, and that's not a good look for a playoff team. 
Uh, Matt Murray is solid. I think he's slightly overrated by people around the league just because of the, the Cubs that he won when he was a younger goaltender. But if healthy, I can't see them dropping below a wild card team. Um, and it would take an, another one of the teams in the Metro to really step on a surprise to overtake him for probably the second spot. But yeah, I think this they're trying, man. They're trying to keep this window open for Crosby and Malkin, but years and years of trading away picks and prospects is starting to catch up to him because Galchenyuk is a free agent after this year. Uh, I think Busat has two more years left in this deal. Their right side's kind of screwed up, and then the defense is very top-heavy in terms of maybe two or three guys, and then that's it. So they're trying to keep it open. I just This might be the final year of their big window here. It's it's interesting. Like I don't think their D has ever been this bad before going into a no. season. So they're going to rely a lot up front. And one thing that I think we kind of didn't really touch enough on is I know the whole Kessel thing and how he ruffled certain people's feathers and this, that, and the other. But, like, he could put pucks in the net. Yeah. So if they, they have to replace goal, 40 goals. They have to replace 40 goals and – Maybe Galchenyuk and Malkin have that Russian connection where maybe they'll be able to, you know, talk a little bit easier on the bench for Gino and make that an easier transition. But, like, what if Galchenyuk doesn't play up to what they want him to play for? Like, then Which that wouldn't trade. wouldn't be surprising. No, it wouldn't be. Like, that's the other thing, the non-crazy part. Like, I think he's banking on going there, playing with either Sid or Gino, having a great year, and signing a ticket. If he goes and he doesn't have a good year, do they are in trouble? Yeah, because then you're you're not looking at McCann as a nice piece on your third line. You're looking at him as an essential piece in your top six. It's that's going to be. We'll have to check in on that throughout the year, but that's definitely going to be a uh, interesting factor to see how it plays out. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think they're solidly in that number two, number three spot in this division. But man, if Malkin or Sid go down or or Latang go down, goes down, that's not going to be a pretty result. Well, should we go to the uh, Quebec Islanders, or should... Uh... Yeah, speaking of not pretty, uh, we'll go to the Islanders, the New York Islanders, the Long Island Islanders, the Brooklyn Islanders, one of one of those three. Um, the they finished last Islanders. year 48-27-7 for 103 points and a plus 32 goal differential. This summer, they let go of Robin Leonard for some reason. Uh, Valtteri Filippo went back to Detroit, and they brought in Simeon Vorlamov as a replacement. They were able to keep a guy like Anders Lee. Uh, everybody thought he might be ticketed for a new city. Uh, pretty much the same team as last year. Is that good enough to replicate the season they had with, uh, you know, the surprise that they that they accomplished? I don't know, man. I feel like this like this team had a chip on their shoulder once as Tavares left. Like everyone was pissed off. And then they bring in Barry Trotz, who puts in a defensive system. And I mean, this team had like worst to first all over them. Like I know they finished second in the division. I know they didn't finish first. I'm just I'm just saying it. It's it's a metaphor. But no one had them in second place in this division. Everyone had them in the basement. I did too. Like, I'm not yeah. going to sit here and say I didn't. And now it's Anders Lee getting paid big boy money. He's the captain there. Can he duplicate what he did last year? Carry the team on his back? Like, for their sake, I hope so. 
And I do like the lineup. I love Jordan Eberle, man. When he re-signed there, I was so mad. I wanted him to go out and hit unrestricted free agency and someone sign him. Uh, Brock Nelson, Andrew Ladd, who's at kind of at the end of his career, but, I mean, great veteran guy to have in the locker room. Josh Bailey, Cal Clutterbuck, another one of those veteran guys. Casey Sezekis, Leo Komarov, just a human pinball, just bouncing everywhere. <laughs> Matt Martin, the same thing. And then you look at the younger guys, like Anthony Beauvillier, Matthew Barzell, Michael DeCauley. Like, those are the guys that are going to carry this team. And then, not to mention, too, our boy who we talked about all summer that no one has picked up yet. Where does he sign? In Long Island over there. Derek Broussard. Like, I can see this team being in the same spot again. Like, it, it, fucking, it, like, it fucks me up saying it because there's no expectations here. But then they come out and they play like that. One question, though, is the back end. That's iffy between Simeon Varlamov. We've seen the experiments that he's had, and he's bounced around from organization to organization. He's $5 million for the next four years. Like, that's a lot on your books for a guy that is like a 1A. Like, he can play a lot of games, but he's not going to do it. Like... Just can't really get you there. Thomas Grice left over last year from Robin Leonard. They split some time at points. Like, great year for him. So, I guess when it's Grice and Varlamov, it's not too bad if you can switch off. One of them's kind of laying a shitter. But I don't think either one of those guys is a distinct, clear, runaway 1A guy. You go to the back end. Nick Letty. Love Nick Letty. Love Johnny Boychuk, but Johnny Boychuk's getting older, man, so that's one thing you got to look at. And he's out to start the year. He has that injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, so another thing they never came back from last year. I like Devin Tays. I saw him play, and I, I like the way the kid plays. When you look at Adam Pellick and Scott Mayfield, I mean, you know what Pellick gives you, just that big, strong, he'll fight anyone type deal. Is that good enough? I don't know. Ryan Pulak, I like him, but... At the end of the year, restricted. I think this is definitely a prove-it year for him. Don't really know how I feel about Thomas Hickey. But looking at that, is it fair to say or is it not fair to say that Barry Trotz's system clearly works because it can go here and work? One other thing, too, we, we can touch on it after you go, is their offensive prospects that are coming up are phenomenal. Like you, oh my God. Uh Oliver Wallstrom, Kiefer Bellows, Joshua Hosang. I know there's been a whole bunch of shit about Hosang over the last couple of years, but like Wallstrom can shoot the puck and so can Bellows. Like if you can bring in two legitimate snipers and you can place them up there in your top six too or even your top nine, like that's that's pretty good, man. I think the Islanders from last season is the best case scenario for the Blue Jackets this year in terms of they lost a guy like Tavares and they had nothing in goal at least the beginning of the year everybody thought they had nothing in goal they didn't have very much in the back end outside of their top two or three and everybody picked them for the for the basement but Trotz's system and a couple solid years from the guys that they were banking on at least just playing up to their norms and look where they finished so I think if you're a Blue Jackets fan, you're looking at the Islers and going, if Torch's system is as good as we think it is, 
why can't we be the Islanders? So that's kind of what I was hinting at when we were talking about the Blue Jackets earlier. But yeah, I think Trotz's system just kind of gives them that floor in a sense of if last year they were, they, were, they were able to do this, why can't they do it again in terms of their defensive system? Um, I know they're missing Boychuk. I think Vorlamov, first of all, they weren't willing to give Leonard $5 million for one year, which is what he ended up getting in Chicago, but they'd give Vorlamov $5 million for four. So I don't quite get that thought process there. But in terms of the, for the upcoming season, I, I'm a pretty big fan of Vorlamov in terms of what he can bring. And then you plug him into a into goal behind Trotz's defensive structure. You know, he had a poor year last year, but you don't need to look that far back. 2017-18 at a 9-20 save percentage. Uh, he was a legitimate number one in Colorado in 2013, 2014, uh, 2015, and 16. He had bad injury-shortened years, and then he had that bounce-back year. Last year was an off-year for him, and he lost his job to Grubauer. But who's to say he can't come in and be what he was in his first few years in Colorado. Um, but yeah, it's their depth on the back end. They can't deal with, sustain any more. I was going to say no more injuries. Because like, that's the Barry Trot system. You block a puck and your guys out for you know six to eight weeks. Their depth going down to the AHL defensively is shit. Yeah, so you're already missing boy Chuck. Like up front, I think their top six is pretty solid. But even if one of the guys in the bottom six gets hurt or falls off, you can plug and play some of these guys. They don't have that on the back end, so they need to stay healthy in order to compete. Um, but yeah, in terms of, I know Walsham had a disappointing year last year uh, in the system. I just think their one, their one concern that they didn't address was their defense. And they knew that going into the summer because they knew Boy Truck was going to be missing a pretty good chunk of time. They really didn't have anything to address it. Um, so I think that was a miss on their end, but I think they're set up to be another playoff contender in a Metro just because I like, I'm not going to bet against Crosby and Malkin. I'm not going to bet against Trotz until proven otherwise. He's kind of like the Belichick of the NHL at this point. Yeah. All four foot three of them just towering <laughs> over everybody. And missed in no neck, but <laughs> But yeah, I think they're a playoff contender, a playoff team. Uh, but if they lose any more defensemen to a long-term injury, then that's going to uh, drop their chances, I think. But I, I would expect a big year out of Orlamov. All right. I, I'm, I'm still got the question mark on them. So you're expecting big. I'm expecting we'll see what we get. Yeah. Um, we'll wrap up heading to the nation's capital. Uh, the Washington Capitals finished last season as the Metropolitan Division champ, 48-26-8 for 104 points and a plus-29 goal differential. This summer, they brought in Rako Gudis, Richard Panik, Garrett Hathaway, uh, Garnet Hathaway, Brendan Lefsik, and they let go of Brett Connolly, Andre Burakowski, Matt Niskanen, and Brooks Orpik, uh, and they shed about $4 million in salary cap obligations. What are your thoughts about their summer, and do you still see a division title in their future? Ovi's one of those guys that you can't like bet against either. Um, you look at the lineup, Ovi, Kuznetsov, Backstrom, Oshie, your boy Tom Wilson, 
Mm. But like they're pretty high on Lars Eller. I'm not. Uh, Jacob Vrana, I like him. Carl Hagland, guy can still fly. Richard Panic, I like. Then it's kind of like you, you look down towards the bottom part of it, like their bottom three and Chandler Boyd and Dowd, like. I think that's sufficient to get you there for a fourth line. Like the, I'm not worried about that. I'm more worried about their third line. Um, can we discuss how Johnny Carlson is probably the most underrated defenseman in all of hockey? Like $8 million could be a potential Norris trophy candidate every year between the offense he brings you and the defense that he shuts down. Like the kid's phenomenal. Like him. I like Orloff. I like Kepney. I like Christian Jews. I like Jensen. I don't like Gudis. But, I mean, like, it's hard to bet against this team, man. Like, whatever they've had there going is just they end up at the top of the division. I know, obviously, no one expected them to get bounced last year in the first round. But, like, this team's phenomenal. Braden Holtby, like, if there was a number one overall goalie and people were going to pick, I'm sure some people would take him. So, yeah, it's hard not to see them being at the top of this division again. Like, just the depth up front. Like, Kuznetsov, Backstrom, Oshi, Ovechkin. That's fucking good. Like, it's good. <laughs> like, That's good. <laughs> yeah, like, I just, I don't even know. Like, you just look at it and it's, you, you can't push against them. You can't. So, uh, off to you, Benjamin and SFO. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like they had a solid summer. Uh, I know the Grudis trade was more about getting rid of their contract obligation to Niskanen more than liking Grudis as the player. Um, but like you said, this is a team, I know they won a cup two years ago. Their core is still intact. It's full of guys that have been there, done that. They're not facing any type of situation where one of their core guys is injury prone at this point. Um, they're not facing a situation where for them to be able to compete for the division, they're banking on either a bounce back from a veteran or a young guy to take a huge step forward. They're just there. You know what I mean? And I don't mean that as a dig. They're just, they show up and they do their thing. Um, so just because division is so topsy-turvy and consistent, a team like Washington that is just set in stone consistent is why I feel like it gives them the edge. Um, and like you said, just the depth. I think Jacob Verona is going to, he had 20 goals last year. I think he's going to really step forward and fill out Burakoski role that Washington was hoping that Andre would fill. Uh, the only thing is Kuznetsov, if all the off the ice stuff that's going on this summer, is he going to be up to par? Is he going to be distracted or is he going to be looking at this season as a welcome reprieve? And finally I can get back on the ice and just focus on that and not have to deal with it. Um, Tom Wilson, if he would just stop being such a dirtbag and piece of shit, would be a legitimate 25-30 goal guy that can fucking forecheck hard and lay the wood when he needs to. You know what I mean? Well, dude, I mean, uh, like, if he plops his ass in front of the net, no one's going to move him. Like, yeah. Just bang a rebound in. That, that's how you'll get your goals. Plop your ass there. Be like Mark Recchi. Mark Recchi scored <laughs> most of his goals off tips and rebounds. Like, wasn't a sniper. He could shoot the puck, but, like, he could fit that same role. No one's going to move him. Yeah, I mean, and if he played smarter, he would play top minutes with Ovechkin and Backstrom. Like, that, just get it under control. 
Um, well, while yeah. we're touching on him, though, I, I don't want to interrupt, but like, if he fucks up again, dude, dude they're gonna, gonna throw like the, the they're gonna throw the book at him. So yeah. like, he could legitimately piss away his NHL career or at least a whole season worth for the stupid shit that he does. So he yeah, it could be to, like Rafi Torres, legitimately. And you know what? I understand he's a lot bigger than some of the other guys, so some of the shit looks a lot worse than what it oh, is. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But like. Come on, it, like Ty, it's if just you're a getting situation paid five of why million, he's even doing it. You're getting paid over five million dollars a year. Like, come on, man. Fuck. Yeah, like it's not necessarily how aggressive the hits are. It's the why. He's doing it in yeah, the why. He's doing it in unwarranted situations. So maybe this preseason will be the first one where he doesn't get fucking suspended. Yeah, maybe they just won't play him. <laughs> um but yeah, just to finish up, the back end just solid. Carlson is head and shoulders the number one guy. But I like Jensen. I like Kempney. I think there's an outside chance that uh, Alexander Alexiev makes the jump to NHL this year. But if, even if he doesn't, he's a guy that can slide right into the top six next year. And Holpe, it's just the model of consistency. He probably won't win the Vezina or finishing the top three for voting, but he's probably one of the most consistent number ones uh, in the league for this upcoming year. So, yeah, they made a few couple couple moves for her depth, but this team built on consistency and built on you know what you're going to get from us, which I think gives them the leg up in this division where it's just full of teams that are, we don't know what we're going to get. Completely agreed. Just above and beyond, have it together. It's worked. Don't change it. Come play us. Yep, exactly. Do you have any uh, hockey history today, or is it a quiet day? I mean, September 2nd, you know, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I got two. Uh, one, 1972, the Soviet Union beat Canada 7-3 in the first game of the Summit Series in Montreal. Uh, we all know how that series ended up turning out with Can- Team Canada not taking very Highly to ending up losing that series, so a couple of fights and off-ice issues there. Um, and it, kind of a happy birthday. 1943, happy birthday to the one, the only, the immortal, the lion, Glenn Sather, who was born in High River, Alberta, September 2nd, 1943. Well, very big happy birthday to Glenn Sather. Still not smoking those cigars, just been <laughs> there for failing, so good for him. Uh, who do you got for shout-outs? I have a very big shout out, and I know it. This is like weird to say. Um, I guess I'm going to give a shout out to the Tuxbury Public School System. They had my child for the two days last week. This was very draining and emotional for me. I have never been more excited than I was Thursday. I took the day off Thursday to daycare was closed so i had emma anyway so i was down to one child which was strange to begin with but then i have never been more excited to go and pick cam up in my life <laughs> like legit like i walk in they're like oh who are you here for i'm like i'm, I'm here for cam they're like oh what's your number i put, type my number in the ipad so you know they know i'm the right person to pick them up and like she's like oh hold on two minutes he's down in the other room he's in the other room let's go i want to see my kid like oh so like he comes out and it's like Oh, I just sat there. I like hugged him for a minute. And he's like, kind of like, oh, okay, Dada, can we go? That's the like, whole name. <laughs> yeah, I was like, are you okay? He's like, yeah. I'm like, 
okay, let's go. Like, let's turn around. Let's go. We're not looking back. But no, thank you for taking care of my baby. I was very, uh, yeah, I was, I was a little off the deep end last week on, on the first day. A couple of the guys are asking me like, you all right today? I'm like, don't talk to me. Like I, I got some, Man, shit I, want, on my mind. I wonder how it's going to be when, uh, Emma goes to. <laughs> I will okay. have no worries about her. <laughs> like K- Cam is the sweet and innocent one of the bunch, and then Emma is like Miss Independent. I don't need you, and I'll tell you where to go. So it's one of those things of like I can already tell the difference. So I feel I, like Redder is going to have the hardest time seeing her go away. Yeah, I, I think it'll be the flip flop. I definitely have the hard time seeing Cam go, so she'll probably do that. Uh, big shout out to Big Red. Oh, big shout out to. Um, stratford because next time i see him i'm gonna punch him right in the dick so um <laughs> just wanted to throw that out there just give him a warning yes and um also one other thing too i'll throw it out there uh, a big shout out to bobo even though he's not gonna listen to this but um thank you very much for emma's birthday gifts they were very good we know how he goes very in depth for uh for the godchildren there. So he, he went out of his way to uh, get a really good one for the kids. So he did good. Even though you won't listen to this, I will still thank you. Uh, I mean, stepping up a little bit, at least outside the podcast world. Yeah, outside the pod, he's doing all right. All right. Uh, shout outs this week. Really light for me. Uh, First Lady, she is on her way back today from her trip. So finally able to see her consistently after she's been gone three out of the last four weeks on trips slash vacations. Um, I'm going to save the rest of my shout outs for next week as next week is my final recording from my home base in San Francisco. Uh, and then the first lady and I will begin our journey to New York on September 15th. So I will save my shout outs and podcast goodbyes for everybody in San Francisco for next week. All right, I like that. And then w- with your last one on the books for next week, I mean, we'll definitely do our full season preview as to, I mean, we'll even go into who we think is going to win the Stanley Cup. We'll do all that. Uh, I'm excited, man. It's going to be weird having one last show and then you gone, so that'll be awkward. But, I mean, we'll, we'll get through. We'll get by. So I- I'm just still debating on what we'll do on the weeks that you're off. Maybe we'll have uh, – my crazy uncle Johnny on for Bruins talk. And that'll kill about three hours worth. So if anyone has like an awful commute, that'll probably be the one to listen to it. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely one week where I won't be able to do anything because we'll be in a Southwest and in the middle of nowhere, Texas. So I can't really guarantee cell service to be able to call in even for a Skype call to record with you. But the second week I might be able to do a little cameo at best because uh, I'll be driving and can just pop Skype onto my phone, uh, put the headphones in and just call in that way, hopefully. But we'll see. I mean, are you just saying that because the first lady stealing your phone for the ride or, you know, just, ah, we'll talk about it next week. <laughs> Everybody as always. Thank you for listening. Uh, I hope you're excited for next week for a full season preview as to we'll go division winners. We'll go Stanley cup champion. We're going to do it all. And then we'll wish Benny goodbye. Well, just a goodbye for now. We'll see him in a couple of weeks. No big deal. And we'll see you then. There, there's, always, there's a bright side here, Benny. There's a bright side. <laughs>